Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Ajax delivery. Gendouzi's header. And the finish of the near post from Lucas Paqueta. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Fire again. A goal Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it. Hello and welcome to France. Welcome to the latest edition of Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. Coming up, we discuss the first sacking of the season as Saint-Étienne dismissed Claude Puel following a 5-0 drubbing by Rennes. Maurizio Pochettino pops in to tell us about the challenges he's facing at PSG as the league leaders drop points for the second time in four days away to Lens. And we've got plenty of praise for the two form teams in the country, Brest and Strasbourg who continue to march on up these standings. Joining me on this uh, grey, cloudy Parisian morning is uh, Ian Holyman, who's uh, probably enjoying the sun up in Normandy. How are you, Ian? Uh, Matt, I don't know if you've been in Normandy of late, but it's very green and there's a good reason for that. It's not the sunshine. They're all Saint-Étienne fans. <laughs> They're not happy either this morning. Oh, well, maybe they are. Maybe they are. Well, we'll be talking about the Greens of Saint-Étienne. David Crossan is with us. You may have just uh, recognised uh, his voice there. How are you, Dave? Yeah, fine, thanks, Matt. Yeah, good morning to you. Good morning, Ian. Great to have you guys along. We are going to start by talking about the Greens, by talking about Les Verts of uh, Saint-Étienne. We thought perhaps Claude Puel had, uh, had turned a corner with Saint-Étienne. He got those two victories, but um, the tide has turned again and uh, they had a, a terrible time of it on Sunday at home against Saint-Étienne. Commentating the action then at the Stade Rofois-Guichard was Angus Turaud. And the chance now, Terrier! And Ren take the lead. Thanks to Terrier's sixth goal of the campaign. And now Martin has it on the counter-attack. Laborde in the middle. Majer joining Thoron. And Laborde is still going. It does come to Majet. Great ball in. Oh, that's a lovely back heel by Terrier. And Ren double their advantage just before the half hour. Majet into Terrier. Terrier goes for the top corner. Oh, that's the best of the lot. Well, an incredible performance from Ren, who recovered from their slight slip up against Lille uh, in midweek. Ren are back into second place. Martin Terrier with his. Uh, First career hat-trick, Ren going on to win 5-0. Um, but the post-match talk, all about Saint-Étienne. And when you lose 5-0 at home, Ian, um, and you're bottom of the table, and you've only won two out of 17, it was inevitable, wasn't it, that Puel had to go? I think so. I mean, how else are you going to... What else are you going to do, really? The team had... It was a nice nice mixed metaphor, but I, I was going to say they turned the corner, but they, they hit a real dead end. I mean, they're probably unfortunate, maybe, coming up against such a good Ren side who's in absolutely insane form right now. But there's no doubt that Saint-Étienne just haven't been good enough. And I think if you look at the squad, I think all of us would agree that that is a squad that is better than bottom of the table. And the, the cliche is the table doesn't lie, etc. Well, in which case, the truth that the, the table is telling is that the Saint-Étienne squad has been underperforming under Claude Puel. And if that's the case, he's got to go. Dave, the, the, the Claude Puel project was all about 
um, reducing the wage bill, moving the older players on. He moved quite a lot of them. He isolated certain players. We know that he upset Stefan Ruffier. That was uh, that was a while ago now. The um, the uh, the legendary Saint Etienne goalkeeper who fell out with with the football club, but he also pushed guys like Riyad Boudabouz and Wabi Kazri to one side. He's now brought them back in belatedly. Um, ultimately, his project with the with the young players has has failed and, and has cost him his job. There are too many young players in that team. You can go for a, a team that is majority young players as long as you've got those experienced heads around them, which is more the way Nice went. You can play so at the back if you've got a Dante-type figure alongside him. It's harder when you're asking someone like Harold Makudi to be one of your senior players when he's still trying to establish himself as a league and player. Um, alienating Boudaboos and Kazri, your two most talented players, was not a smart thing to do. Some of the problems predate Claude Puel's arrival. Saint-Étienne have been on the slide ever since Jean-Louis Gasset left, that Gislain Pranton took over and things didn't go well under him. Um, I think this is the right time to make the move because despite all of their problems, they're only a couple of points away from potential safety. So that gives the new coach time. Uh, it's not as much of a firefighting project as if you change coach in March and you only give them seven or eight games to try and save the club. So whoever is appointed will have time to work with these players. The first thing to address, and this was illustrated starkly against Wren, is the defence. 37 goals conceded, five of them against Wren at the weekend, and I think Ian, Ian would have scored a couple of Terrier's goals. There was so much space there. Abysmal defending. You just... Can't get he wouldn't, away with he that wouldn't, he wouldn't have scored the third. <laughs> he wouldn't have scored the third one that he, uh, it was a no, maybe not. That, that, that was a great shot into the, into the top, top corner. corner, but yeah, I mean, that's more of a Spiro. Oh, much as we're all annoyed that, oh dear, <laughs> much as we're all annoyed that Terrier didn't make it at the dog, particularly Ian for the punning potential. It's good to see him, uh, showing what he can do because it's taken a while for him to establish himself. But, uh, to get back to Saint Etienne, who are they going to appoint next? Uh, there's talk in the French press today about Pascal Duprat, who managed to save Toulouse back in 2016. And that looks like a, a potentially strong link, considering that the man who helped appoint him at Toulouse, Jean-Francois Soucas, is going to have a, a major say in whether uh, Duprat is appointed as Puel's successor now. Well, actually, boys, after your discussions of my football abilities, I'm surprised you haven't put me forward as the coach, because could I, could, could I do a worse job than Puel? But... I mean, I'm sure Matt was going to mention that David Greer... Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> David Greer... David Greer... You don't have a lot of faith in me, boys. David Greer was <laughs> has been mentioned as well. Now, I can understand the jobs for the boys, Link, but if you're going to have... Come on. Uh, objectively, Greer or Duprat, who who you taking? I'm taking Greer every single, every single time. And, and the quirk of fate is that his first game could be against Reims. At the weekend, it, it, it's it's just all it's just all made for him, isn't it? I mean, he's he's got a, he's got the pedigree of bringing a side through from the lower leagues and establishing them in Ligue 1 sensibly, not on a huge budget. That's what he's going to have at, at Saint Etienne. He's the he's the ideal he's the ideal uh, guy to take over. Dupri is just too combustible, well, isn't he? It would be better if he could bring Yunus Abdelhamid in from Rance as well to organise that defence, which I'm not sure is going to happen, to be honest. But no, Guillaume had his Rance team defending properly based around Abdelhamid, and that's clearly the the number one area that needs to be addressed. After that, 
the likes of Kazri, Budabuz and Buwanga are capable of scoring you enough goals to win you the odd game. You're not going to need to win that many in order to stay up, given some of the teams around them. Yeah, they're only two points from uh, from safety. They're level with Mets at the bottom on 12. Just ahead of them, uh, Bordeaux and Clermont on, on 14 points. Bordeaux drawing uh, 2-2 with uh, with Leon last night. That was... Uh, that was a good result. Albert Ellis uh, equalising in, in the second half. Another another blow for Lyon. Uh, Clermont losing 1-0 in uh, Montpellier. Um, Ellie Way scoring for the uh, for the second time in four days. Clermont losing for the sixth time in seven. They're, they're in big trouble. Just, um, I would have said Dupra, actually, as, as an answer to your question. But no, I mean, you know, for, I, I, I agree. I think David Guillon is probably a better coach. But if you're looking at firefighter qualities and uh, um, ability to motivate uh, a team that is uh, seriously lacking in in belief. I think Dupre is a great motivator. I think he's more in the uh, Sam Allardyce, Harry Redknapp uh, bracket of coming in and, and, and doing a job. But Both of them uh, are free but like as well. Say, Steve Bruce, maybe. <laughs> Steve <laughs> Bruce. Alan Pardew. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like you say, he's got a bit of time and, you know, they're only two points from safety. So maybe David Guillon to start, to start a rebuild. Um, why not? That one, that one will be interesting to see. And a quick word about about Wren. We have talked quite a lot about them in uh, in recent weeks. They had that slip on Wednesday night at home against Lille, but uh, I mean, they're they're pretty breathtaking, aren't they? And and again, you know, we'll talk about the strength in depth. Uh, no Doku, no Sulemana um, starting, uh, but. But yeah, I mean, if it's not Laborde scoring goals, it's 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 Terrier. We haven't mentioned Lovro Meyer. Uh, Ian, who you, you you told us all about after his debut when he was just extraordinary, he set up all three goals for for Martin Terrier. Um, so probably this week, Ian, we're saying again, Ren uh, looking good for second. They're looking very good for second right now, aren't they? And uh, I mean, it's quite, I, personally, I mean, Maya, I think is is going to be a fabulous player. Um, he's already a very good player. I did actually see him at the under twenty one Euros for Croatia um, fairly briefly, and in, in what was a very good Croatian side actually under former Liverpool midfielder Igor Bischan. But I personally am I'm very happy to see Terrier coming through. I, I've always thought he's an, an excellent player, very underrated, really good attitude. Um, you know, he he had sort of a bit of a billing at Lyon, a bit of a billing at, at, when he went to Lille. He was at Strasbourg as well on loan. And now he seems to have really found his niche now now at Rennes and, and, and fitting into, into what is a, a very good side. And as you said, Genesio has options right across that front line and, and very different ways of playing and, and all of them hugely exciting. Yeah, Ren 31 points. They've broken away a little bit. I mean, Marseille have still got a, a game in hand. We'll talk about Marseille a little bit later uh, in the podcast. But that, that race for second and third, we know that PSG are, are streets ahead at the top. But that race for second and third, like I said, and even fourth and fifth, um, it's going to be so intense. There's 10 or even more clubs um, that that are competing. What we're seeing this year is um, a number of teams, whether it be the uh, the traditional powers of, uh, of Marseille, um, Nice, are they traditional power? Perhaps not so much. Monaco and Lyon being joined by the likes of Lens and Nice. And we've got so many, so many strong teams up there. And uh, I had the, um, the opportunity to talk to Maurizio Pochettino recently um, about the, uh, the job he is, uh, doing at Paris Saint-Germain and about some of the challenges he's facing um, as, as a Ligue 1 manager. It was a fascinating chat and uh, we can hear some of it um, now as I, as I asked him 
about the overall strength in Ligue 1 and the difficulties that PSG are facing these days. Maurizio, it really feels like this league is, is getting stronger. This season we're seeing Marseille and Nice who have exciting projects. We've got Lyon, Monaco, Rennes I think are going to climb. Lens surprising a lot of people. They're joining PSG and Lille, uh, of course. Do you get that impression as well? Yeah, but my impression is that it's a very complicated uh, league. It's, it's a very... the quality is there. Um, I think it's the most physical league in, in the world. It's interesting. You, you think it's more physical even than the Premier League? Yes. Yes. That would surprise people in England. I don't say that it's better better league than than the English uh, the, than the Premier League. Um, I think that in the way that um, the games are here, I think they are more physical than than the Premier League. The talent is is amazing, and then great coaches too. And of course, uh, when you are involved and you are inside, you enjoy a lot. I think every single game uh, you can see all the team uh, have quality. Um, have, have the capacity to, you know, to, to win the games, um, never give up. Uh, um, um, I think it's a, it's a very good, very good league uh, and I, we are so happy to be here. There are so many young players and each year we see new young talents and the recent game against Rennes we saw uh, Suleymana, the teenage player who was superb against, against PSG. That makes it challenging as well for you. It's a massive, massive challenge. Um, yes, um, France is uh, is a country uh, with um, amazing quality and talent, and and of course uh, they have the capacity to create this type of talented player. And after to send to different leagues, no Spain, uh, Premier League, of course uh, the Bundesliga, uh, Italy. But I think. Because of this characteristic of the football here in France, uh, that is why the French uh, player uh, will adapt very, very quick to the to the Premier League because it's very similar, no? And um, but yes, but it's a massive challenge because uh, you in every game that you play, you discover a new player. Well, interesting stuff from uh, Maurizio Pochettino. If you want to listen to the uh, to the whole interview. Um, you can go onto our onto our webpage, Le Bourge, whether that be um, on uh, Google, Spotify, uh, Apple. We are on all the main podcast platforms, and you can listen to the whole Maurizio Pochettino chat. It was uh, it was very interesting, actually, and he was he was a bit more open and uh, and relaxed than I was expecting. I think perhaps as well the fact that I wasn't quizzing him all the time on 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 you know. <sighs> The problems at PSG, if you like, it was more of a general chat about about the challenges he he was facing. It was quite interesting, and I don't know what you guys think. I mean, we'll talk about the game against Lens. Um, do you go along, Dave, with what with what Pochettino was saying about the physical nature of Liga and uh, and about the difficulties they're facing, or is this just sort of Poch making excuses about the fact that you know PSG are struggling to to control and dominate matches? I think French football has evolved since we started working on it. I'd say that. The physicality was the predominant element when we started commentating games in the late noughties. And now we've got to a stage where you have players that, yes, they are physical, but they're also technically very gifted. And they're able to keep running for the 90 minutes and apply the pressure, but also play good football. So I, I think we're seeing a more entertaining league now where teams back themselves to have a go at other teams. We see more goals scored. So I, I actually 
I, I understand where Pochettino is coming from, and I hear this being used as uh, a reason or an excuse as to why Lionel Messi is not scoring in league, in that it is a physical league. But of course it is. It's, it's football. Every league is physical to an extent. Uh, the contact has been taken predominantly out of the game. It's not like I'm seeing these forwards being buffeted when they jump uh, for the ball in the air. Okay, you get the odd late challenge, but that's going to happen. It's football. No, I'm not, I'm not buying it to a great extent, to be honest. Because, yeah, he says, you know, you say every league is physical. Pochettino says Liga is the most physical league in the world. And I mean, that's quite a strong, it's quite a strong statement. Um, I spoke to Jérôme Boateng recently, who said, yeah, it's much more physical than the Bundesliga. We heard Messi saying it's it's more physical than, than La Liga. I mean, I don't think these are just cliches being trotted out. I think the the, the players... I think they are they are feeling it, and Ian, the, the the paradox this season with PSG is that they're they're thirteen points clear, but I don't think there's been one game that they've that they've won easily. You know, they've had to really struggle and fight to get those points. Well, so they should, shouldn't they? I mean, it'd be kind of boring if they, if they didn't. I, I'm I'm intrigued actually. The next time that a player tells me that this league is very physical, I'd like to know in what way, because um, they. I, I, like like Dave says, I don't see the physical challenges. I mean, I, I watched uh, the Nice game yesterday. Some of the challenges that got whistled for free kicks. I mean, really, in England, they wouldn't have been a foul. In Germany, they wouldn't have been a foul. The intensity at times was... I mean, I, I've had afternoon teas that are more intense than, than, than that game at certain times. So I don't really see where the physic the the, the 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 essence of the physicality is. Is it in the aerial challenges? Is it in the in the pressing? I, again, I, I don't see this. I think that this is just. I don't know whether it's an excuse. I mean, it's, when Jerome Boateng comes out and says it's more physical than the Bundesliga, really, Jerome, really? Maybe just because he's not playing in such a good side as Bayern were, who completely dominated games, and he didn't have to get stuck in quite as much. Now he does because Leon are are in a bit of trouble. But again, I I don't really see the physicality. But it it is interesting that somebody like Pochettino and somebody like Boateng, who've got such vast experience of other 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 championships, that they come out and say these things. Yeah, I I mean I've never been round to yours for for T Ian, but I I I would probably be more inclined to believe Boateng or, or 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 Pochettino and you know especially Pochettino who's had how many years coaching in 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 the Premier League he knows what he's talking about but it's yeah it's a good question what does it what does it mean um I think there is an athletic quality in France I think there's a, a lot of speed um and I think you know I do think that's tough I do think that's tough I remember talking to Jose Font and he was now, of course, he's getting on a bit, Jose Font, but talking about what a challenge it is to 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 play in France because of the speed and athleticism of of, of the players. Um, let's bring in the commentary because it, you know I tell you what, it was a physical game and it was a very intense game at the Stade Félix Bollard on on Saturday night. Um, let's hear what happened. Uh, I absolutely loved this. I was commentating it. Lens versus Paris Saint Germain. Here we go. Referee plays on. Messi's tackle though by Medina. Messi stayed down. Here's Fofana, Fofana going for goal. Oh, it's got it. Keylor Navas has spilt it. And with Messi on the floor, Lance have carried on playing and Seco Fofana has seen his rasping drive beat Navas. And you have to say Lance deserved this lead. Nuno Mendes back to Mbappe. This time Mbappe crosses. It's a really good cross. Incredible. 
PSG yet again strike late and they break Lance's heart. They are the masters of the late goal and Wijnaldum has rescued a point for Paris Saint-Germain. Well, the inevitable, almost inevitable finish. Uh, Lance nearly got there. It would have been such a wonderful win for Lance and, and such a deserved win because they did give so much and they had those chances, so many chances to get that second goal. Uh, you know, three or four clear chances. Um, ultimately, Pochettino said afterwards, we deserved this draw. And, you know, when you look at the highlights, you probably would say they did deserve the draw because Messi hit the post. Uh, they had a few a, a, a few huge chances uh, at the end of the first half. Di Maria managed to not score from about five yards. Um, Jean-Louis Lecca made an incredible save. Lecca got got the best mark along with Seco Fofana in uh, in Lequite, which shows that that PSG did have did have chances. But uh, you know, Dave, you, you talk about Ligue 1 being testing for Paris Saint Germain. Anybody who says Ligue 1 is too easy for PSG, watch those 90 minutes because Lance just got stuck in from the word go and it was great to see. It was, Matt. And uh, Seco Fafana gets a lot of love on this programme, but uh, I reckon he'd make quite a few people's shortlist for potential player of the year, the way he's been performing so far. Standout player every time that I watch Lance. Okay, a bit of fortune for his goal as Navas led it through him. The Navas-Donnarumma debate is, is maybe one for another day, but it's not going to help the veteran Costa Rican that. Um, yeah, no, I really like Lance's approach. And what was impressive to me was that even though they were on a downturn in form, they managed to get up for this game and not be cowed by facing the champions, by taking on, a, a, not the champions, the leaders, I meant to say. That was a slip of the tongue. But they will be champions when we do this programme next year. Um they are they are autumn champions or winter champions officially. Uh, yeah, no, I, I like that phrase almost as much as I like the Ballon d'Or. But yes, congratulations to Paris Saint Germain on being autumn champions, and uh, they'll hope that it, they don't do a, a compoare and lose it in the second half of the season. Yeah, no, you've got to like Lance. You've got to like Cronkers. Uh, I think they were very unlucky not to take the points, even though um, amidst quite a lot of good goals over the weekend, I've got a lot of time for that Vinaldum goal. Uh, a good header in the box. That's the sort of goal I like to see. Great run, beautiful cross by Mbappe. Yeah, we, we, we talk about the, the physical nature of the game and, you know, Lance were getting stuck into to PSG from the word go. And one guy, another guy I want to single out for Lance is their young Argentine centre-back, Facundo Medina, who I sensed from the word go was ultra-motivated. PSG had a, had a three-pronged Argentine attack with Mauro Icardi, uh, Di Maria and, and Messi. And you feel like, you know, for a young centre-back like Medina, it must be just like no no bigger source of motivation than playing against Lionel Messi. And uh, I mean, he was getting stuck in and he his challenge on Messi uh, led to the goal, led to the Fofana goal. And it was bizarre, actually, because um, the PSG players stopped playing. Messi went down under the challenge from Medina. Medina won the ball cleanly um, and Verratti just stopped. He, he looked at the referee and said, you know, it was almost like Messi's down. Game has to stop. And I mean, in the commentary, I was saying, you know, of course, Lance should 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 carry on, and and they did. And Navas made made a bad mistake, but um, yeah, it was it, it 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 was bizarre. And there are, I mean, there are issues, of course, at Paris Saint Germain. Great week for Messi winning the Ballon d'Or, but I mean, Dave against Nice, uh, he was pretty uh, anonymous um, on Saturday night. 
he wasn't he wasn't anonymous, but he but he was barely in the game. Yeah. And the fact that no, you know, Lars get I, the goal from from winning the ball off him. I, I've been thinking a lot about Lionel Messi's performances since joining PSG, as I'm sure we all have. And I think that the mental game you have to play with yourself is look at a player playing like that and forget the hype around his signing. Forget he's called Lionel Messi. If he's not called Lionel Messi, would you be picking him? And to be honest, the answer has to be no because he's just not exerting enough influence on matches. I was thinking exactly that. I was thinking if we didn't know who this guy was, um, we wouldn't be that impressed, would we? No. To be honest. And, nice. you know, I know it's, it's, it's sacrilege to say anything negative about Messi. And, and actually the shot he had early on, it was so clever the way he kind of put it behind yeah, the defender and Jean-Louis Leca couldn't it see happen. it. I need, I, I'm not going to go full Arsene Wenger here and say that over 30 should only be offered one-year contracts. We know he's got a, a potential three-year deal at Paris Saint-Germain and... Plenty of players have proved that you can do it until your late 30s and early 40s nowadays. So let's give him a chance. And it's still relatively early days, though that signing in the sun in August is already starting to feel a long time ago for me. Um, But, you know, I had the experience as a a Newcastle supporter of watching a great player in his declining years in Alan Shearer. And there were still always flashes. But basically, towards the end of his career, he was immobile and all he could do was score headers. And we've seen that Messi, even if Robbie said to us eloquently last week, you didn't see him for long stretches of matches when he played for Barcelona and then he just turned it on. Those moments seem to be becoming rarer and rarer. So while we'll still get some highlights moments out of him, like that goal against Manchester City, like his free kicks. Okay, but let's not, hang on, let's not, let's not rule it out, rule him out just yet. He is the reigning Ballon d'Or, you know, with all due respect to Alan Shearer. Oh, well, he, he got scored 30 league goals, goals He scored season. 40 goals. How many is he going yeah. to get this league. season? I don't know, but he may, he may rediscover that, that, that magic. That's, but anyway, um, all, all good points, Dave, as ever, well made. Uh, we're going to bring back our coup de girl section because it's been too long gone uh, for new listeners, just in case you don't know. It's uh, an opportunity for us to, to have a rant, as the French uh, have this great expression, coup de girl, and uh, who better than to bring it back in than Ian Holyman. Oh, b- quelle bande de chèvres. C'est mon coup de gueule. Kylian Mbappé needs a rest. Now, I, I, I can understand the poor guy. He's 23 this month. Okay, I played five-a-side recently, and I can tell you two or three days afterwards, I was still feeling it. So I can see where Kylian's coming from. Uh, to be fair... He has missed about 26 minutes of Paris Saint-Germain's Ligue 1 season, apart from the one game that he missed through uh, through illness. He's missed about 30 minutes of their Champions League campaign. But Pochettino comes out and says he played the last 20 minutes against Lens, and we all know how well Lens have been playing this season. We also know how Lens like to go for teams and are likely to give you space in behind, right? Which Mbappe is very good at exploiting. Why is he not playing against Lens? If he needs a rest, you've got Bruges coming up. You're already through in the Champions League. You can't win the group. Miss the entire game, Killian. You'll be fine. You've got Monaco coming up at home. He's going to want to play against them. You're going to want him to play against them. Good team. But then you've got a Coupe de France game against people who I would probably score a hat trick. Right, and we've already we've already been we've already denigrated my footballing abilities quite sufficiently on the on this program already today. But I really would. So give him a rest against them. But Ian, he looked a bit tired against Nice on, on Wednesday night. Well, I was a bit tired against Nice on Wednesday night. But can I just say? Can I just say? No, it's 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 fair enough. But I've been reading stuff in Le Keep 
um, this week. It's just absolutely extraordinary. They, they write this stuff. Um, Leandro Paradis, according to Lecky, missed Wednesday's game against Nice because of fatigue after Ballon d'Or festivities. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what they wrote. They were explaining that Thomas Tuchel found it difficult when he was PSG manager because the South Americans asked to train in the afternoons because they needed lions in the morning. I mean, you know, whether this is true or not, I just find these, these claims absolutely remarkable. I think but, yeah, Andy Scott Paradis and myself have rest- the same approach to this podcast. I think we're in favour of <laughs> afternoon recordings rather than 9am on, on a the, Monday morning on after that a subject, late finish on a Sunday. On that subject, and, I, and I've always found this an, an interesting thing, teams generally train in the morning, right? But when do they play? They never play in the morning. In fact, they always grumble when they've got like a one o'clock kickoff, which is usually when they're already sitting back home or the pros in the 1980s were on at the snooker club. I mean, why, why do teams not train in the afternoon when they usually play to, to get their bodies used to that sort of system of being ready for that moment of physical exertion? Maybe, but anyway, yeah. coming back from Mbappe, be- Mbappe, he was, he was at the Ballon d'Or festivities, wasn't he? I mean, what... Well, he was at the yeah he was he was at the ceremony when they talk about festivities. I think they talk about kind of the after party more than well. Anything. Even so, he's still he if he needs a rest. It was what two two days before the Nice game. I'm sorry if he needs a rest against the team that's that's fifth in the division. Okay, has been playing really good football. You can and also he's they've got a game where he could possibly cause him quite a bit of damage. You, you don't put him on for the last twenty minutes, regardless of regardless of how far you are ahead in the table, etc., etc. And he he's the one who's always going on about how he wants to play every single game. Don't go to the Ballon d'Or ceremony; it's too close to the the midweek game. Abolish the Ballon d'Or. Abolish the Ballon d'Or. That's a, a debate for another day. Um, good coup de girl from Ian. Uh, I just want to quickly bring Dave in. Monaco won 4-0 against Mets, by the way. Really good result. And Niko Kovac's team do seem to be turning the corner. But Dave, you were particularly irked. A mini coup de girl for, for you relating to Aurelian Chouameni. Yeah, Aurelian Chouameni. I like his intermittent approach to using Twitter. He hadn't tweeted since November the 17th. But yesterday, <laughs> after that good win, uh, he wrote, Good job, fellas, in English after the victory and the photo that accompanies it it's uh, Chouameni with his arm around Sofiane Diop the captain Axel Dizassi is the next player along the line and Jibril Sidibe to his right so why he's saying good job fellas to three French teammates I've got no idea uh, and that annoys me why didn't why didn't he say bien joué les gars uh, as soon as I see Harry Kane start doing that because he's got Hugo Lloris <laughs> and Tongi and Dombele in his team then then I'll let Chouameni off uh, Right. It's only a mini coup de girl because Chiumani is a, a personal favourite. So, well, I was disappointed by his, cap- his, also- his use of the capital on the word "fellas." I thought that was particularly poor. His English teacher will be ashamed of him. I was going to say that he actually talks good English. He's a massive NBA fan, and that's um, that's probably one of the reasons why he's why he's so good at these late night games because he because he because he stays up at night apparently watching NBA. So that's why he's wide awake when it comes to nine o'clock kickoffs. My and point stuff. exactly, man. Um, let- <laughs> yeah, Ian, if you took over Saint-Étienne, I, I could see you bringing in this revolutionary tactic of training at nine well, in the they, evening, and then Saint-Étienne would, would start winning if they, all their games. If they thought Puel was a hard taskmaster. Let's bring in Andy Scott. Andy Scott was commentating uh, the form team at the Orange Velodrome, and no, the form team in France isn't Marseille. Marseille were at home to Brest. Let's hear what happened. Hayek touching it back through to Gerson. Gerson is in, and Gerson scores. It's another goal for the Brazilian who looks to the sky and uh, celebrates putting Marseille in front. 
Now, the referee pointing towards the spot. It's a handball, and Brest gifted a possible route back into this game. Brest's six-goal leading scorer this season, Roman Fevre, who scored the winner in midweek against Saint-Étienne from the penalty spot, and he scored the equaliser here today from the spot. Jeremy Le Touaron, lovely touch by him. Back to Onorau, smashes it into the net. And Brest have come from behind to lead here at the Velodrome. Incredible stuff from Brest coming from behind away to Marseille. Six wins in a row in Ligue 1 for the first time in their history. And, you know, it's time to say, guys, um, chapeau Michel Desacarion. He was a coach that I thought, gosh, what an uninspired choice. I mean... Just listening to Desikarian, he he sort of sends you to sleep. He's got this incredibly dry humour, incredibly relaxed guy, and and it, it took him a bit of time. Uh, Brest was second bottom at the beginning of uh, October. They are now what are they sixth? I'm just looking. No, they, they dropped were, they, to they tenth. Were they were they sixth after to, the win. Yeah, they dropped to tenth. Have they? Yeah. Gosh, it is so close up there. Um, six wins in a row, and and they did that, Dave, without without Steve Mounier. I mean. Um, some brilliant performances again from Le Duaron. Um, wonderful winning goal from Franck Honorat. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing what they're doing. Yeah, and Roman Fevre, who can't miss from the spot, five of his seven goals from the penalty spot. Um, and he's in the right frame of mind after that move that he wanted to AC Milan in the summer didn't go through. Uh, Desacarion's Nantes, I think, were up there with my least favourite team to watch in all of the time that we've been working on Ligue 1. Montpellier were better. We enjoyed Labour, Delors and Mollet. And Brest uh, are fun to watch. They've scored in every game they've played this season. Uh, they're on this remarkable run. I mean, they're now in a position where very few teams have won more games than them this season. They're, they've won as many games as Angers, who we consider to be having a very good season. Lens have only won one more game than them, Strasbourg and Monaco as well. Um, why should they stop there? I mean, keep looking up the table. They're now 10 points clear of the bottom three, uh, full of confidence. And yeah, as you said, chapeau, Michel de Zacharion. Only teams in Europe to have scored in every game this season. Uh, Liverpool, Bayern, AC Milan and Inter Milan, as well as Stade Brestois. I mean, absolutely incredible. And and actually, uh, Ian, they're coming up against Montpellier at the weekend. So it's going to be a Dalolio de Zacharian um, face-off. <laughs> <laughs> Eco, yeah, but 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 you know, Brest were this sort of neat, uh, short passing football side. They played entertaining football. It's becoming more direct now under under Desacarian, and perhaps that explains why you know it took a few months for for Derzac to get to get his method going. And just before I bring you in, I, I want to mention my um, my favourite, Jeremy Leduaron, because it's an incredible name, and he's this tall, gangly striker who was playing in the fifth tier. Uh, 18 months ago and he just can't stop scoring at the moment his back heel for Honorat was was brilliant so um, yeah uh, hats off to him Ian anybody anybody uh, catching your eye in that breast side I like Romain Fev a lot I thought he was very very good already last season I, I agree with you Desacarian. I thought firstly I thought that's a very strange kind of club swap between Dalolio and, uh, and Desacarian and I thought, well, this, yeah, totally uninspired choice. Man- managerial merry-go-round with the same faces spinning off it each time. But, I mean, you've got eight games ago, they were second from bottom of the table. And now they're playing this f- fabulous football. The, the kind of football that we associate, well, the, 
the kind of victories or, or results, at least, that we that we associated with the good quality football that they played at the first half of last season. I mean, but Fev is a, is a quality performer, formerly on the books of Monaco. Uh, he's okay. Yeah, he's got a lot of penalties this season, but he's still got to score them. And it's it's his. I mean, he's got what five assists as well. Um, he's he's a re- he's a really 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 good player. I think Frank Honoré is somebody who's hugely underrated as well. He's he's not he's not going to be a France international. Okay, Roman Fev may squeeze into the France squad at some stage in his career. Frank Honoré won't, but he's one of these top grade pros. Works really hard, like a kind of Roman Hamuma kind of guy. He's he's just going to put in a shift for the team every single week, and he's getting his fair fair share of goals now as well. I'm going to say that Fevre is like Ben Arthur, but with better focus and less prone to lose the ball. But he's got similar skills on the ball. Really, really impressive. Yeah, mercurial, mercurial left footer. Uh, Dave, what's happening to to Marseille? They they decided to leave Milik on the bench. They've gone back to this kind of false nine with uh, Dimitri Payet. Um, it's interesting because they, they were getting results in the first few months and we were saying, imagine what they'll be like when Milik returns and actually they've been worse bizarrely yeah. uh, since Milik has, has come back there's also been um, that Gerson, tactical shift Gerson there, as is, well that yeah Gerson's got his two yeah. and two games but Sampaoli has totally changed his idea of how he wants to see Marseille play but probably considering that they were too open in the first couple of months of the season when we were saying you know the team to watch is Marseille that's not the case anymore but they were grinding out results it was becoming a case of 1-0 to the Olympique de Marseille um, the way they're set up now, if they can see two, it's going to be hard for them to get results because it's hard to see them scoring two or three goals. Well, I, I saw I, and the problem is, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, Matt, I, I, I saw them with that that false nine sort of uh, experiment against Nantes in midweek, and uh, Jason scored a fabulous goal. And actually, that's that formation seems to suit him. We haven't seen him. Uh, very much at all since he came in in the summer. Lots been, you know, predicted of him and lot, lot, lot expected of him. I thought he had a very, very good game against Nantes. But um, as Dave said, they're not, they're not creating a lot of opportunities. Um, against Brest, they had what seventy odd percent possession, something like eight hundred and something passes, but they had four shots on target, same as Brest. There's just no real, there's just no real cutting edge to to that side. Yeah, and I don't want to, you know, I think we need to avoid like week to week saying, um, you know, because Marseille was second, weren't they, going into going into the weekend. They've lost to the form team uh, in France. Let's not let's not say, you know, Marseille are suddenly in decline. But I, I'd be a bit concerned just because Sampaoli, um, you know, what Dave was saying, changing his system, going for something a bit more solid, a bit more defensive. He spent much of the first few weeks saying, we believe in this way of playing. This is our philosophy and the players get it. And this is how we have to do. And this is how we have to do it. But he's, yeah, he's suddenly changing that. And um, I don't know if that works, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see how the next, how the next few weeks go. Um, time to bring in uh, our Deja Who. Those of you who are um, listening, can you listen with bated breath? I don't know, <laughs> listening to, to, to see who won, to see who won the Deja Who uh, last week, the answer was Jocelyn Gorvenek. Um The clue was I was born in Brittany. I featured for three clubs in the region, one of them twice, but never my hometown club. I also played for some big clubs in the south, one overseas, but not abroad before retiring in 2006. I enjoyed success in my native region as a coach too, taking charge of the same club twice and defeating one of my former clubs in a major final. 
Of course, yeah, he beat uh, he beat Ren, didn't he, when he was Gangon manager. And Jocelyn Gorvenek starting starting to get some uh, some results. Uh, Lille came from one 0 down to beat Trois two one at the weekend, and uh, like Monaco, a couple of wins, and uh, you know they're right back in contention. They're just off the European places, so watch out for Lille. Uh, Jonathan David uh, came on. He was on the bench. Came on at half time. Scored three minutes later to equalise and uh, all but scored the second goal, which was ultimately an own goal. 11 goals now for Jonathan David. Um, well done to him. Back then to our, our Deja Who. Well done to James Cathy. John Crossan with an E. So no relation to David Crossan. Uh, Michel Mass, Davor T. Uh, congratulations, guys. But yeah, this week only only four winners. So um, some of our regulars not not getting it. We did get an incorrect answer from Gabriel Haganeda, who says, greetings from Australia. Great to hear from you, Gabriel. Uh, better luck this week. Uh, our clue is coming up. If you think you know the answer, you can email us, league1podcast at gmail.com or use the hashtag Le Bourgeois or the hashtag Deja Who on Twitter and uh, we will find your answers and, uh, and, and read them out. Here we go then this week's Deja Who. As a youngster, I started alongside Ludovic Julie before moving to make a name for myself with a young Florent Maluda. My career took a controversial turn when I dived into a new adventure in the capital and after winning my one and only piece of silverware in France on a teary night at the Stade de France, I switched allegiances once more, only to find that crossing the Great Divide was not as easy as it seemed. I made one unhappy return to the park before getting my revenge. Who am I? It's a tough one. Um, it is, uh, by the way, Robbie Thompson's debut as a, um, as a Deja Who writer. So that, that, that clue came from Sydney, Australia. If you think you know the answer, league1podcast at gmail.com or use the hashtag Le Bourgeois or Deja Who on Twitter. Our final uh, featured game today is uh, is Strasbourg. Strasbourg were away to Nice. Nice um, stuttering it a little bit. They got a, a good point at the Parc des Princes on Wednesday night, but they were looking to get back to winning ways at home against Strasbourg. Andy Scott commentated this one. Fall through towards uh, Ludovic Ajort this time. Ajort for the opening goal. He prods it in. And Strasbourg are rewarded for their strong start to this game. It's their leading scorer, Ludovic Ajort, who sticks out his long legs to get the goal. Space on the far side here for Gilbert. Now, Diallo waiting in the middle. It comes to Belgard and it's touched in by Habib Diallo. Looks across to see the flag might come up and it doesn't. The goal will stand. And Diallo, who was denied the penalty late in the first half, gets his name on the score sheet. Strasbourg have a two-goal lead and surely the points now are heading back to Alsace. Diallo again. Maybe a chance for a third goal. Thomason brilliant finish and that is game over yes what a result 3-0 to uh, to Strasbourg they're unbeaten in six and uh, what a four days they've had uh, beating Bordeaux 5-2 and then winning 3-0 at Nice uh, I think it was Nice's third straight home defeat as well so they're They've got some worrying form, but Ian Strasbourg mightily impressive again. Yeah, one of my one of my favourite teams. It has to be said in in Liga, not just uh, not just because of the quality on the pitch that they've got, but also we all love the uh, the the atmosphere that they create at, at home games. But they they have 
they have some really, really good players. We talked about underrated league game players previously. Adrian Thomason, for me, has always been a quality player. Um, I think there's four goals now in his last six games. He, he, I don't know if you saw his goal yesterday. It was absolute, just beautifully taken, just a little chip. And how much longer, and now you're going to laugh at me for this, but how much longer before we're seriously talking about Ludovic Ajok for the France squad? Surely, we, we've got to be talking. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm nodding, Dave. I'm not we've laughing. We've got to be, to, we've got, well, I'm Ian, well, maybe you were not nodding at what Dave said in private, because I'm Ian, but still, we'll, we'll, we'll get there, Matt. We've only known each other about 20 years. Sorry, sorry, did I yeah, say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was getting so excited about Ludovic, <laughs> any talk about Ludovic Ezra. I mean, great to see him rattling in the goals. I, lo- I, I love it. Yeah, 19, 19 goals this calendar year. And it, it's, it's not just about the goals. I think his link-up plays is fabulous. Um, he's, dare I say, Olivier Giroud in disguise. Not, well, Benoit Costille could be, but it, Ludovic Ajok is, is just a, a, a real quality. A target man is is kind of a little bit um, to, to reduce him to, to his size. He's got so much more than that. Okay, Dave, you are Didier Deschamps. You've got one place left in your squad and you have to pick either Gaetan Laborde, Franck Honorat or Ludovic Ajok. Who'd you go for? Uh, that's a that's a very tough question. I, I'd I'd be wondering how big the coronavirus outbreak was, if that was the choice that was left open. Or would you go and find some <laughs> French kid playing playing in the Bundesliga? No, I, I, I as your call Laborde, that is a tough decision. Um, I think I'd still just about go Laborde, though I do like Azurk. Tall strikers from Reunion Island that can be a a future pod. So we can talk about Ajork and Guillaume Waro. Um And who else? That's going to be short. Uh, yeah, no, Dimitri Payet's maybe not tall enough. <laughs> He's not tall enough. Lauren Robert's not tall enough either. But no, Ajork's great. And no, full credit to Julian Stefan. I, I like Ajork. I like Diallo. I, they've got so many good players to watch. They're getting results. They score goals. Um, it's fun for the fans. I think you're being slightly, you know, as I said last week, slightly harsh. I, I, I could see Laborde or Ajok doing a job for France. And you can say, no, oh, they're not technical on, enough. Not is... quite, it's, it's, it's not quite the style, but that's, that's what they need. That's why Giroud was so good for France. Because when you've got Mbappe and, and Griezmann and loads of technical guys around you, Benzema, that's what you need. The presence, the guy, the guy up there to occupy the defenders. Um, there's, no, there's no time for a comeback, Ian and Dave. I know you want to, to, to shush me, but, um, <laughs> but there's no time. And, and being the host, I, I get the last word. Other results uh, around the grounds at the weekend... Uh, Reims 1, Angers 2, terrific result again for Angers, Fulgini scoring uh, late on there um, and Nantes getting a 1-0 victory away to Lorient, Lorient in trouble, William Cyprian scoring in the 83rd minute there. Uh, we're going to look ahead to round uh, 18, just two rounds of matches left before the, uh, the, uh, the winter break, it's time to go on a Bon Voyage. So coming up next weekend, Nantes against Lens on uh, Friday night. We've got uh, Brest-Montpellier. That is the, uh, what is it? The uh, Daloglio Desacarion Nico. That's the hardest thing to say ever. Um, and PSG Monaco, the big one uh, on, on Sunday night. Quick mention as well. Poor old Marseille uh, are playing the form teams. They play the Marseille of the East, as they are known. Strasbourg at the Stade de la Meno, uh Friday at five o'clock. Ian Holyman. 
Uh, where do you fancy going next weekend? Very, very, very tough. I've already mentioned how much I like Strasbourg. I'm sorely tempted by by that one, but it's um pretty difficult drive actually uh, from uh, from uh, Normandy to Strasbourg. <laughs> so I'm going to go for the slightly easier but still uh, mouth-watering option of Rennes-Nice. Mouth-watering, we've already been through the Galette-Saucisse debate, which is uh, one that, that I'm more than happy to have on several occasions over the 90 minutes at the at Roson Park. But Rennes in such good form, and I think this is an absolute acid test of Nice. I was I didn't get the didn't get the chance to say how disappointed I have been with Nice over the last well last three home games. You said they've all they've lost they lost to Montpellier at home. Uh, they lost to to Metz. They lost yesterday as well. They they're struggling. They're struggling for creativity. Their their goals have dried up. Um, and I think against against Wren, this is going to be a huge test of of their squad and of also of Christophe Galtier's ability, which probably shouldn't be doubted, but certainly of his ability to try and get a result in an, an extremely tough place to go. And yeah, and Galtier's nickname is Galette, so he'll <laughs> hope that he's not a saucisse in uh, in Rennes. What do you think, Dave? Well, I'm not going to drive. I'm going to take the train. And Strasbourg's under two hours on the train from Paris, so that's where I'm going to go. It's a magical place at this time of year in Alsace in the east of France. And with it being a five o'clock kickoff, that will give me plenty of time to have many a flamacouche for my lunch. Flamacouche, um, just to make that understandable for our listeners, unfairly it's categorised as a sort of Alsatian pizza, which is really underselling it. They're much, much better than pizzas. And basically when you go into a restaurant and order them, they just keep delivering them until you say stop. And that's my sort of restaurant. They're my sort of team. <laughs> Strasbourg Marseille on Sunday. Brilliant. Yeah, I was looking at Strasbourg Marseille as well, mainly because I haven't done my Christmas shopping yet and the Christmas, mar- Christmas market in Strasbourg is fantastic. But um, as Dave has, has nabbed that one, I'm going to stay closer to home. PSG Monaco. Monaco coming into form at the at the right time. And they've done well, actually, at the Parc des Princes in, in recent years. 3-3 draw two years ago. They won 2-0 last season. Um, so maybe Ch- Chouameni and fellas and his fellow friends <laughs> will get a result there. But uh, a lot of good games, actually, this weekend. Um, do your best to, to catch all the action. We'll be back, of course, next Monday um, to review the action from round 18. But uh, that's it. For this week, from Ian Holyman, David Crossan, and from me, Matt Spiro, it's time to say goodbye. We'll see you again next week. All the best. Ciao, ciao. Outrageous goal from Kyle Kakuta. Play it again. A goal back. Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it.